Hi there and welcome to the latest edition of the Jairs Net Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is brought to you by fans for fans and where the content is absolutely free. I'm your host tonight, uh, I'm Colin Armstrong. It's episode 205 uh, of the Jairs Net Podcast, yes, we have been going for that long. Uh, as I say every week guys, it's not just the pod that we do here at Jairs Net, if you get yourself onto the website, you'll find that the, the, the forums is there, friendly forums there, uh, lots of good stuff on there. Uh, there's articles, stuff like that. There's a history archive on the website as well. So get yourself onto that. We would also ask you to promote the pod, you know, if you like what we're doing, put the word out there, let your mates know, uh, you know, share us on social media, all that kind of a stuff. Uh, before I bring my guests in, uh, I will have to mention our partners at Forest Precision Engineering. Uh, they're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company who have uh, been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for, for, for a long number of years. Uh, they also have a brand new suite in the main stand. Uh, it's a bit of a cracker from what I hear. And, uh, you know, you can you can book yourself into that if you email the club at hospitality at rangers.co.uk. If you want to know more about uh, Forest Precision Engineering, get onto their website at www.forestpressing.com. I think I've got that right. Uh, so now on, on to my guests. Uh, I'll, I'll bring you in first. David, how are you doing? Evening, Colin. I know bad, thanks. Evening to the listeners. Good result yesterday, so all's good. All good. Uh, you, you wouldn't have been affected by the change site yesterday, were you? No, no. Um, but I, I could possibly have been today, but I kind of I tripped through east today. Um, but I, it was just... Aye, these, these things kind of harm us. I feel for people that were travelling through the east yesterday and had to leave early. Yeah, there was quite a few. I didn't find out till I was at the game. Uh, so apologies to anyone who was looking for the, you know, the immediate post-match stuff that myself and Eck do. We had planned to do it. Uh, and then I found out sort of, it was around about half time. I think my wife texted me to say that there was a train strike and the last train back from Glasgow was a half five. So all bets were off then. I had to sort of leave the game sort of 10, 15 minutes early. So I'll have to allude to you two when we get to that point, uh, the agenda when we're talking about the latter stages of the game because I, I didn't see it. But I quite a few, quite a lot of Rangers supporters leaving early yesterday, uh, earlier than usual uh, uh, because of the train strike. So yeah, a wee bit disappointing. Uh, also, Brian Patrick, how are you? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. I, I almost think it's the perfect time to talk Rangers. We've had two 4-0 wins in the space of a week, a Champions yeah. League match, but still not all is well and there's still plenty to discuss and lots of opinions to be had. So I do think this is an incredibly rich time to be talking, uh, both good and bad about the club. Yeah, it, it, it kind of feels, I don't know, I mean, a few weeks ago, you know, sort of prior to the international break, it did kind of feel doom and gloom when it, when it came to Rangers. Uh, I agree, I don't think all is... Perfect jet, but definitely a green shoots to recovery, I think, which we'll, we'll go on and discuss. David, I'll come to you first. I mean, the performance yesterday, uh, I, th- I thought it was a fairly decent performance, a fairly, uh, how can I put it, routine victory. You know, I think we gave St Murn a couple of wee, wee, wee sniffs and that, that might have changed the game, at, uh, you know, if they'd scored at, at various points. Uh, but, I mean, overall, you know, as, as, as Patrick said, there are two four nils. You no know, second versus third, two weeks in a row. Hearts last week we went to Tynecastle, one four now, one four now. Yesterday, fairly convincing. And you know, another thing is we're just chipping away at that goal difference a wee bit. I mean, Celtic were really close to dropping points yesterday. But one thing they're not doing, even although they're still winning, they're not blowing teams away anymore. You know, and we've chipped away, and, and I think it's down to eight. So essentially, we're, we're down to that 
game against Dungeon United now, you know, that farce of a game. If that hadn't happened, the goal difference would, would be a lot healthier. So overall, I think that, you know, the last two weeks have been have been fairly decent for the club. Definitely positive in a, a league sense, Colin. Um, it's, it's a wee bit of a kind of Jekyll and Hyde uh, season thus far for, for Rangers. Um, the last two weeks have been, um, I don't know, for, for many fans, I would think uh, have been potential banana scans given the, the form and uh, certainly St. Mum uh, of late and their uh, trip to Tynecastle. It's always a difficult game, no matter how badly or you know, well Hearts may be playing. Uh, and they come away for both games, um, having scored four goals is, is, in each occasion. It has been, it's been uh, encouraging. Um, yesterday, Obviously, getting the goal after three minutes was, you know, just what we needed after after Tuesday night. So, um, aye, it's it's. I think it's still a lot in progress. I think there's uh, there's there's a lot. Of, well, there's a few positives to take for yesterday's game. Obviously, two guys came into the side that were looking for for minutes. I know I know Rabbi McClendon played it against Hearts last weekend, but he. He came back into the starting at 11 yesterday. I wasn't surprised that, that, that Ryan Kent was, was dropped. Um, and Fashion Sakala came in, and uh, it just shows you that, you know, uh, perseverance can be rewarded because he, he got his goal and he, he set up a, a goal yesterday. So, ah, he was, it, we're moving in the right direction. Put it that way. Patrick, sorry, I was speaking there on mute. Uh, looking at the stats here, you know, 70% possession, you know, 19 shots in total, 80 of those on target, uh, you know, 86% passing rate, you know, everything fairly positive. But I mean, there were, there were a couple of wee blips that I think we'll, we'll come on and, and, and discuss and possibly not as fluent a Rangers that, that we know that, that, that they can be. But again, I, I think it was a fairly routine victory. Yeah, I think that's probably back-to-back weeks in which I wouldn't say 4-0 flashes us because we were the dominant side in both games. But I, I do think um, St. Marin could have had a goal, not to say that there was a chance they should have scored or, or a penalty or anything like that. But I think there, if we play that game 100 times, St. Marin probably score uh, in half the games. We were lucky that Al McGregor didn't really have much to do, but when he was called upon, um, he was secure in net, which has been nice. To juxtaposition to the relative sort of instability with McLaughlin, which has been sad to see because whoever puts on the Rangers top, regardless of if you want them to play or someone else you want to see them do well. But no, I think uh, it was a it was another game in which the performance was better or the result was better than the performance. We had ebbs and flows, which were really impressive. Like the first twenty minutes were great, and then the last twenty minutes were great, and then the four, sort of fifty minutes sandwiched in between were fine. Uh, we didn't allow them to capitalize. We controlled possession quite a lot, but it just wasn't as fluent as we wanted to. And I think that was probably uh, represented by sort of the wingers in the first half. Sakalo and Matondo both didn't really get much out of it. Whether that be because Sitman packed the uh, the midfield quite heavily and sort of put the fullbacks on them one-to-one and, and didn't give them much space. Uh, also, I don't think Barca should have any help much. They were quite withdrawn and they're only when they would venture up, they just crossed the ball in really. So they weren't really relieving much pressure, overlapping, underlapping was quite static. But we got there eventually, I think, when Ridvan came on, we'll probably talk about him a bit later. That helped. And Sakala running, running directly at players and just have the St. Marin players won that play tire also helped. So I do think 
it, what is encouraging is the fact that we looked really strong towards the end and that will give us a bit of momentum and coupled with, I think, Liverpool's poor performance today or at least poor result, uh, it, it does give us something to think and to be optimistic about for the midweek and also for us continually to we won't win 4 0 every week in the league, but it is looking good on, the, on that front. And as you mentioned, chipping on the goal difference because Celtic are still getting the points, but not in the same ferocity or, or with the dominance, both in the performance and the results that they did last year. And they did so for the first six or seven games this season. Uh, David, I mean, when I was coming through on the, on the train yesterday, unaware that they were on strike and finished at half five, I should point out. Uh, the... You know, I'm always looking to see the, the the team coming out. You know, so I think the first thing we all noticed was no Ryan Kent, and I, and I put it out there on social media saying, actually, I think this is long overdue. I just think his body language has been a bit poor. He's his overall performance. He's having. I mean, there's been wee flashes here and there. There was an argument to say that you know when he got his goal last week, walking, I thought, well, this. This could spark him, you know, get him going. And, and someone came back to me uh, when, when I went out on Twitter yesterday saying, well, it seems a strange time to drop him because, you know, he got the goal last week. But I also think he put in a really timid performance uh, at Anfield on, on, on Tuesday night there. So uh, it's not, I'm not surprised. I must admit, I, I think it's long overdue. Although that said, you know, uh, you know, he's got four assists this season. So his numbers are, are already compared to last season. You know, he got his goal last week, four assists. You know, there's maybe an argument to say that quietly he is doing things in the background, but I, I just think, you know, he's our most expensive player, seven million. We've just not been getting enough out of him, and I, I think it was long overdue that this happened. Oh, yeah, I, I concur. I think his, his performance on Tuesday night was underwhelming. Um, the big games, like going to Anfield, you're looking for your. Your top men to come to the, the floor. But to be fair to Ryan, he wasn't alone in, 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 in being lackluster on his, his output on Tuesday night. So, um, no, look, as I said there at the kickoff, I wasn't surprised to see him dropped. I um, discussed the Tuesday night's game and the, the Wednesday with, with various people. I, I advocated that he should be dropped. He, he needs, he needs, and he's, he's, he's cajoled in the action. I, I don't know. I mean, we've discussed him in, a, in previous pods, call, um, how he, he just doesn't seem to be producing to the levels that we, we suspect he can. He, his season in the, the 55 season, it was excellent. Um, obviously, chipped in with, with a number of goals. And last week was his first goal since, since March. And he just doesn't seem the same player, whether he's, you know, he's he's obviously got a lot of things in his mind with regards to signing an extension or maybe leaving the club or whatever, whatever the case may be. He just doesn't seem to be um, firing on all cylinders. Now, I've, I've, I've mentioned the previous points again that um, I'm not so sure that the, the manager's tactic um, suits him. I don't think he's comfortable in it and being so rigid. I think he's more... Uh, he just enjoyed the freedom that, that, that Stephen Gerrard's uh, uh, tactic um, afforded him. And there's just, there's just something no, not quite there. So I don't think he can have any complaints. Whether that can at least a fire under his, his derriere and he produces a performance, hopefully Wednesday night. Um, 
remains to be seen. But there's more to come from him. I just, I just hope that he, you know he, he can click into gear. I, I don't think it's it's a legitimate great to say that he's not trying. Um, I think he's he is trying. I don't think he's. I, I agree with you. I think his body language is slightly off. I don't know whether that's maybe just he's just he's just annoyed that things aren't coming off for him, and he's maybe you know letting his head drop. You know, uh, or sort of, you know, subconsciously, uh, people are, like yourself are picking up on it and going like, he's maybe his mind's, his heart's not quite in it. But um, I, I don't think he can have any complaints about being benched yesterday. Uh, uh, I think that Rabbi Matondo, um, they gave him some food for thought with, with Rabbi's performance. Uh, I'm on the fence about that one. I think Rabbi Matondo had a particularly good game yesterday, although. I think the, the lad himself is lacking in confidence, but you know, I'm just hoping, hoping it's, it's more hope than anything else that, that Ryan can turn the corner uh, sooner or later because he's in the past he's been a big game player, call and yeah, you know, we, we need him, we, we need him to turn up in big games, and, and you know, Liverpool obviously get beat by Arsenal today at the Emirates, and I'd like to think that you know, that, that some point, you know, in this kind of runner big games that he's the real Ryan Kent's finally going to stand up and, and, and put on a performance for us yeah I, 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 that's what that's what I find frustrating about the whole thing with Ryan Kent I, I genuinely feel if, if, if he reached his his true potential and, and we know what that is because as you say he's displayed it in a Rangers jersey I, I, I genuinely think that would be enough to, to to make us better than them you know what I mean I think as we'll come on and discuss you know I think Kevin Davies looks like he's he's certainly you know solidified us at the back you know it's just maybe that front you know and sort of middle to front where we need to look at improving and I do I find it really frustrating now we don't know the reasons you know I think we all need to appreciate that football players are human beings and there could be things going on in his life that we don't know about that's affecting his performance but it, 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 it has been obvious for a while to me that he's just He's just not been at it. You know, someone posted a, a clip the other day there of, of him scoring a goal a couple of seasons ago and I was like, what happened to that player? Because, I mean, he got the ball outside the box, quick one-two, step-overs, passed a couple of guys, bang, top corner, and you're just like, it, it just isn't, doesn't seem like he's capable of that at the moment. I, I don't know if it's tactical, like you said, or personal, or whether he's just not enjoying working for Gio as much as he enjoyed working uh, under Stevie G. I, I don't know, but I, I just hope, I hope it can be fixed. Uh, Patrick, you know, the big, the big handsome bastard up front, big Cholak, done it again. That's, let me see, I'm looking at the stats here now, nine uh, league goals in 10 league games, uh, 13 goals in 16 in, in overall all competitions. Uh, I mean, the second goal, I, said, I mean, even the first goal, the first goal is really good because he's anticipating it, you know, Borna takes a shot from from outside the box, and he's he's not standing on his you know, his heels. He's he's moving, looking for something to come his way, and it does. He gets the scraps, and he, and he takes it well. But the second goal, you know, the, the way he cuts inside and, and finishes with outside his foot, you know, he has. There's no doubt about it. He is a penalty box striker, and uh, yeah, I'm enjoying him. I have to say. Yeah, as am I. I think the the first one is sort of the archetypal example of make your own luck. Um, a lot of people, if you're on good form, will say it was lucky. But I think I think he's in this sort of predatory form where he's going in the box for everything, every rebound, and, and it's, we're lucky enough to hit him well. But I think he'll probably claim, and rightfully so, that he positioned himself there on purpose and his body's like immediately get the rebound. But that was a fantastic way to start five minutes in. 
and a true testament to his sort of positioning and predatory instincts, which you probably won't see as much from someone like Morelos. And the last time we saw it was likely uh, in the form of a sort of aging Jermaine Defoe. And I think that's been a discourse on Twitter recently. Cholak's the best finisher since X. And I think it's obviously Defoe. And some people go back and look at Chris Boyd just for the pure goal numbers. And then the second goal is fantastic. I think... Obviously, Cholak's, he turns the centre-back in a sort of travellers at the outside of his foot, but we need to appreciate Sakala taking on a few players and slotting him in. And I think that, um, obviously, before he scored the goal, it uh, was great to see because he, I don't necessarily think he's a confidence player, but no player will play uh, as well as they are, or they should do when they have as little confidence as he has, because he has been frozen out a bit. And I know he touched on uh, how Tav's been helping him sort of stay in sort of the loop. And supporting him like like as a captain should do, which is fantastic to hear the camaraderie between the guys. But yeah, I, I just think Cholak, this is the best universe possible in, in which he signed. Uh, I think the last time I was on here was a month ago and we were discussing the comments from, I think it was Mark Haley or someone else, this, um, saying yeah. that he's not that great after the Livingston game. And we've mentioned the fact that he is a, a player whose performance is indicative of, of, a, of a side who they create chances, he'll score them. And if, and if they don't, he won't. So he, he's sort of the indicator of if a team's playing well. Uh, and the fact that we're not playing on all cylinders makes me excited to see if we'll see him score a few more. And I do think this might be a personal PA. It does kind of annoy me when we've seen back-to-back games uh, Geo take Cholakov when he's been on a brace. And I think that's something small. Uh, and I don't think it's to say he's a, an amazing professional because most professionals would accept that and go off. But I do think if he had a screw loose, he might have been angry, said something on Instagram or Twitter or, or reacted uh, negatively, but he's gone off calm. He's clapped the fans and welcomed Morales onto the pitch. And obviously he's got a goal or two in his minutes, but I think that's testament for a player who sees himself as, as a part of a team as opposed to an individual. Uh, even though he has so many mo- personal motivations, he'll want to be in the Croatia squad for the World Cup. And I sh- certainly think he's sort of putting his bid in quite well. Uh, and I hope to see him in Qatar, uh, two two Rangers players for Croatia, but that's it. The establish that everyone's going to be cheering for them. Uh, David, the, the goal number two came from the penalty. Uh, keen to discuss whether Nick Walsh was was right or not. You know, Declan Gallagher penalised for the foul on, on Cholak. I've watched that a few times, and I have to say, I'm unconvinced. I'm 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 not convinced at all. It it's almost. I, I can't see who gets to the ball first. I can't see if Declan Gallagher gets to it first or whether Cholak gets to it first. The direction of the ball tells me that maybe Declan Gallagher gets to it first. But, you know, hardly any players uh, claiming for it. So, in, in the soft category, I would say. And, and one that really pisses off the Tim. So, one that I'm really enjoying. Hey, aye, well, that's always a bonus. Mate, but, um, <laughs> I, I must confess... You know, where I sit on the ground, I, I sit just below you, the tier below you, uh, over the opposite corner. And I, it, it looks soft. Like you say, you always look for the reaction of the players. Um, I, the fact that the St. Murn defenders weren't up in the arms and surrounding Nick Walsh, you know, perhaps tells a story. You know, yeah. um, so I think, I think it's just one of the ones that. Yeah, I've not seen it back, so I, I can't can possibly comment on whether it's you know a, a glaring error by Nick Walsh uh, or whether um, Declan Gallagher was you not know, uh, have done by. But uh, well, maybe it's it's in the past now. We've there've been penalties that have been denied this this season. There was even a, a penalty shout yesterday that we should have got. 
uh, was, you know, just completely passed without any any mention. Uh, you know, there was there was absolutely no. Uh, there was never an inkling for the, the officials that there could possibly a penalty shoot, which you would like to think when when Vars answers you surely that, that that's going to get highlighted. But I like I mean we've got we've got enough um, odd ball penalties have been. Uh, coming against this, so to, to get one, if, if it was maybe dubious going the other direction, then it's just maybe a case of it's, uh, people perhaps incorrectly say that you know the luck evening itself right over the, the course of the season. Uh, Patrick, I mean, James Tavernier makes it 2 0 from the spot, and I think it's worthwhile having a conversation about Tav because I, I, he's another one that I think this season hasn't looked himself. Uh, you know, we we should sort of point out we're, we're basing that on a, a supreme level of performance, and you know when you consider his performances in the Europa League last season, just incredible. Uh, but he just hasn't looked quite at it this season. Uh, that said, you know he's still got decent uh, decent stats. You know, three goals, four assists from from nine league games. But there's just something. The thing I'm noticing now is his distribution at times is a bit ropey. He's he's just just doesn't look at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you sort of um, preface the whole thing about the relative, how good Tavernier is. So if he looks a bit out of shape, he's still putting in like a 7.5 out of 10 performance. But yeah, I, I think it's sort of indicative of the most of the team uh, aren't playing to sort of what we expect of them uh, off the basis of last year or the year prior. I think Lundstrom's probably another example. He set the bar so high with his last six months of the season prior, much like Tav. Uh, Goldson a bit, although he's looked really good and solid in these last two games. No coincidence, I think, as soon as Ben Davies has been sort of properly assimilated in the team, Goldson's benefited a lot. But yeah, I, I would agree. I think he looks less secure in possession, Tavernier. I think it's a difficult challenge for him against Liverpool because he was sort of our outball. Um, he was always the guy we play it to and expect him to ping a pass or, or progress the ball up. And when you do that Anfield against a team who packed their midfield um, so well because they were able to sort of their forwards work so hard that they were able to sort of play in the midfield and progress upwards. That was always going to be an uphill battle and then one ultimately, albeit difficult, he, he did fail. But uh, yeah, I think he hasn't looked perhaps the world's be- best player in Scotland undisputed like he did last season. Um, I, I do think though, obviously, uh, the players in front of him have been chopping and changing both in that right centre mid and on that right wing area and no one's really um, made it their own, especially the right wing is the big discourse, but the right sentiment. We had Lawrence playing quite well there, but he got injured. And then there's been a chopping and changing of not just the player, but the role. Sometimes we'll see a more defensive player there. Sometimes we'll see a more progressive, or even sometimes we'll see like a 10 there. So there's a lot of uncertainty around him, but I don't think this is a decline sort of based on his age or this will be um, how he is from, for the next two or three years. I just think it's a sort of rough patch that um, represents the team as a whole. Uh, and hopefully these past two games and, and a good good performance against Liverpool might be the perfect launching pad for him to get back into the, the classic tab. And if there's anything we know he does well, it is score a penalty in Europe. So we can hope for one of those uh, come Wednesday. Wednesday night, yeah. Penalty at Rangers. Uh, David, uh, Alan McGregor, you know, I think again, another one that I think we need to look at, you know, a feeling that he, he, he passed his best this time last season. I, I think already at this point last season, there had been a couple of errors that had been costly and, and, and led to his dropping points and question marks over him. When he when he came on in the last minute in the cup final, I think we all felt that was a swollen song and he was on his way out of the club, but we've you know, we've retained him for another year, but McLaughlin was staying in. 
Sorry, McLaughlin was, was was taking the number one position. He's came back in for the last few games, McGregor. I, I would say he looks like he's at a higher level than he, than he was last season. He had a, he had a, a key save yesterday. I, I, I should point out, I, I don't think that if Marco Hara had scored, it should have counted. I thought there was a foul on Tav in the box when, when McCross came in. But it's a vital save. You know, it's at 2 0 and if that goes in, the jitters start, the crowd turns, and all of a sudden they find themselves, especially when you consider how Celtic won the game earlier in the day, you know, they, they were seconds away from dropping points and, and, and they get that sort of last gasp winner. You know, it, it, that sort of thing at Motherwell, you know, last season when we were 2 0 up, cruising, and then we, we, we draw to each. So it's a vital save, and, and I would I would argue that this season he's he's looked like his performance levels from what we've seen of him so far anyway are, are higher than what he's he was producing last year. Yeah, I would agree. I'd agree, Colin. I think he's I think the the, the McGregor of the fifty five season has uh, came back to the, the four. Um I think he's the Alan's got presence. You know, he's He's capable of great saves, you know, well documented in the years, capable of long class stops. Um, something that sprang to mind immediately was the, the penalty save from, uh, I forget the fellow's name, the, the Red Star game at Ibrox, that penalty save was, was outstanding. Um, and that came at a time when he, he was going through a, a rough patch of form in the league. Uh, but it, it looks that he's backed his concentrated best. Uh, there was a, a ball that was flashed into the box yesterday where he, he, you know, he looked at the, the, the kind of bad side of Alan McGregor's game where he's, he's kind of he, not quite rooted, but he, he looks as if he's indecisive in terms of mm-hmm. whether he's going to be comfortable or not. And that's just, that's just a killer seal. I, you know, obviously, he's very, very close to the end of his, his time in, uh, as a... A professional goalkeeper, so you know this. It's no new as that, but you know we've got to concentrate in the, in the, the good parts of his game. And I think that you know, I can remember the studio side. I was talking to you Nick, back in March, and um, it was when when Alan's form was was not a, a big talking point. And I, I, I'm more or less placed my faith. I'm saying that he's the best goalkeeper you've got, and he's still the best goalkeeper you've got as far as I'm concerned. John McLaughlin's a goalkeeper but he's not, a, he's not a great goalkeeper and I don't think he'll ever will be a great goalkeeper um, while Robbie McCrory can, can become a great goalkeeper in the fullness of time obviously remains to be seen and Robbie's incidentally he's, he's signed up for, he's for a new deal. three years so, yeah. which, is, which is good news which obviously means that the, the, the club have got plans from it uh, and a lad I would, I would assume when they sign a, a new three year deal given his age if he was going to be you know uh, readily accept the, the fact he's going to be the number two goalkeeper so but that's, a, that's an aside but to get back to Alan, I you know, it was just a, a couple of good stops yesterday. Obviously, the Mark Kahara uh, chance in particular. Um, obviously, had a good game on Tuesday night. One save I thought was exceptional. The others were for him routine, even though yeah. you know certain certain commentators may observers may say you know they were very very good saves and he kept Rangers making and all that. But you know they, they, it's kind of bread and butter to a goalkeeper at Alan McGregor level. Um, so I mean, like. I don't think you're going to see John McLaughlin anytime soon if Alan McGregor uh, maintains that level of form, Colin, to, to yeah. really come to the point. Yeah, he has. He has I, I think he's, you know, he's back to his best. You know, I think that's probably the best way of putting it. Uh, and that was a vital save, although I maintain if it had went in, it shouldn't have counted, but that, that's kind of by the by. Yeah, another defensive man we need to talk about, Patrick, is, is Ben Davies. Uh, that sort of left-sided centre-half 
possession has, has, has been a bit of a problem. Uh, you know, we've, we've, we've let... Uh, the boy we let go to QPR. Uh, Balogun. Balogun, you know, Hollander's injured, we've let Balogun go. You know, we've had Sands playing in there for, for cover. And, you know, we've just never been able to nail it down. Davies has been been sitting there for a few months now and for, for whatever reason, just, just not been playing. But he's come in the last two or three games. He got another, another 60 minutes yesterday. And I, I just think he looks really assured. And I think him and Connor Golson look like they're a solid defensive unit. You know, I, I, when you when you think back at the whole time that Connor Golson has been here, the amount of partners that he's had, this, I know it's early days, but I'm looking at this thinking this could be the guy. This could be the you know the the, the rock solid partnership that we've been looking for this whole time. Nah, I would 100 percent agree. Obviously, it is early days, but I think he is perhaps the most jigsaw like perfect fit with Goldson. Because if we look back, I think the only person you could contend with is perhaps Halander uh, um, over the 55 season. But even then, Halander's a good traditional defender. But he has deficiencies in possession and he is quite slow. And, and Goldson is, is, has a good physical profile, but he, he isn't the quickest either. Not to say he's slow by any imagination, but I just think Davies provides both the symmetry uh, with the left-footed and build-up, so I'm mm-hmm. in possession. Because to be fair, our centre-backs obviously have a responsibility to defend and, and make sure we keep the clean sheet domestically. But we get 67% of possession, so they're spending more time on the ball than trying to take the ball off the other players. And, and Davies is great at that, and he provides a bit of what Goldson does. Goldson's a great long passer. I mean, his trademark diagonals are, are stuff of legend. They, they're great with the, to the wingers, but he's not the greatest sort of breaking short lines passer to like to a six to Lundstrom. Uh, he, he's quite, as you say, horseshoe. He, he contributes to that. He'll usually just play it to Tav or he'll play it long. Whereas Davies does really well to sort of find the, our defensive mid and then quickly sort of break that first line of an opposition press. You saw him quite a lot just slide it into Lundstrom against St. Marin. And that's a lot more of a consistent and a repeatable action than just playing it long every time. You can, you can build something with that. And I think he provides that perfectly. Uh, albeit, uh, obviously, we've taken quite a while for him to get involved. Um, that's sort of a trick characteristic of most of our summer signings uh, this summer. Uh, obviously, the reasons are undisclosed and he's due his privacy for that. Uh, but yeah, obviously, I think the fact that he's been taken off, um, it's almost, it works really well, in fact. So he's being better and getting the minutes and we can see Leon King play even more, which I think is just a win-win for everyone. So he'll quickly accumulate minutes, get more experience both in the Champions League and domestically, uh, whilst Davies quickly settles them, and and so far so good. On well, the man of the the moment, David uh, Flash the Bash Sakala, you know he's came in for Kent, and I think I think we can all agree he's had a difficult time recently. Uh, you know he was he was responsible for the uh, conceding a goal in, in the League Cup game uh, a few weeks ago. He's just looked, you know, you know it. It looked like he was ready to be dropped. Kind of how Kent was looking like he was ready to be dropped. You know, it, quite erratic performances. We all know he's direct. We all know he can he can cause issues. But it didn't surprise me that he's went through this period of of not getting in the team. And I think you have to congratulate him. You know, because he's he seems to have this really positive attitude. Wants to keep going. It's I mean, it's hard to to, to not like fashion Sakala. And I thought yesterday, you know, he's so direct, committing defenders, running at them, causing them problems. And I was delighted for him, delighted that he got his goal. Uh, an argument to say that he could maybe have been man of the match. It was just refreshing to see someone, you know, given some of the turgid performances we've watched over the last few weeks, just seeing someone 
wanting to go at defenders and, and beat them and you know, that causes panic. You know, once you beat one defender, you're dragging others out of uh, position and, and I just don't think we've seen enough of that with Rangers over the last few weeks. So it was refreshing to see and, uh, and he, as I said, he's such a likeable guy. It's, you know, you like to see people like that doing well and coming on and doing well. Yeah, yes, passion. Passion's efforts were rewarded yesterday in the second half, Colin. I think, um, to cut the guy a bit of slack, he's on a high day, he's not a winger. Uh, he never will be, in my opinion. But the manager and his, his wisdom, obviously, doesn't see him as a, a centre forward, or doesn't the, the, the tactic of the team will not suit a uh, fashion style of play. I mean, that's... What little we've seen of him as a centre forward in his time at Ibrox, um, I think it'd be fair to, to surmise that he'd possibly be the type of striker to play in the shoulder the centre half and be looking for balls threaded through for him to run on to. Um, but he, we don't play like that, so he's never really going to get too many chances during a game where he can utilise that skill set, if you like. So the manager's decided to deploy him on the right hand side and try and encourage him to be more of a wide striker, if that fits the ball. Um, yes, he's very erratic. Uh, he's, his first touch isn't the best, but you've seen yesterday when he, when he set up uh, Cholak's goal, which was a fantastic goal, uh, really well taken, but you've seen his touch. His touch yeah. was good, he looks inside, and then he accelerates. He's, you know, he's speed over that initial five yards, which is crucial in any level of football especially at the, at the top level came at the floor and it, it, it was really really it, it looked good but there's, there's guys um, he'll not be the first and he'll not be the last that, that can tend to flatter to deceive uh, can he put a string of performances like that together that remains to be seen and, and it's no easy if, if the manager's maybe bringing you in for a couple of games or bringing you in for a half and then you don't get action for the next couple of games so Fashion's big challenge um, is to make sure that he's in the manager's, you know, he's, he's foremost in the manager's thoughts when it comes to picking a front three. Um, whether players like Brian Kane and or Robbie Matondo or whether it may be Scott Arfield, depending on certain uh, opposition and, and how they set up and deploy their players, means that in the next run of games that the fashion can get up ahead of steam and get his confidence going where, you know, his first touch, you know, or his second touch isn't a tackle as much, and he, he starts to, to bed himself in and get confident and start to show what he can do, um, that, you know, that, that hopefully will be the case. I mean, it'd be great if if, if, he, if, he, if he come on on Wednesday night and, and took the game to Liverpool, because obviously last Tuesday night, we were sadly lacking in actually putting their they're, they're back line under pressure. I mean, the, the fella um, uh, Kostas uh, Samikas, I mean, he, he, he looked like a tremendous left back the other night, he's not under any pressure. So you'd like to think that, 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 that on Wednesday night that maybe fashion can give him something to think about. Uh, yes, he took his goal well, set up a goal, and you'd like to think that more there could be more to come from. I think another thing that might work in his favour is that, that Gio's went public and said that he was never his, his, uh, his thoughts to, to move him on. Um, now, as a player, it's maybe, you know, no featured a lot and maybe his doubts about whether the manager rates you. 
you know, even if you still have that, you know, the kind of lingering doubts in the back of your mind, to hear the manager come out and say that probably is going to be a boost for you. So mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully we can see, you know, what fashion can produce. And, and let's face it, we've been so underwhelming it as an attacking force. Antonio Joe, like I say, you know, we've been scratching for some kind of form and uh, forward fluency and, you know, combination playing and such like. So fashion's performance yesterday um, might uh, signal the fact that maybe he's the guy to step up and say, hey, I'm going to make this position my own this season and I'm going to force my way into the manager's plans. Uh, I, think, I think we should give Morelos a special mention for the goal as well, you know. I think it's obvious that he's had uh, much publicised issues in, in terms of his, you know, discipline and all that kind of thing. He was out of the team for a bit. He's struggling to get back into the team because Cholak's scoring so many goals. But I, I would argue that, you know, he's, his attitude seems a bit better and it was a good assist, you know, the, the ball inside. So, yeah, a special mention for him. Uh, Patrick, on to, like, Rabbi Matondo, you know, another start for him, another one where there's been alleged, you know, issues with his discipline and all that kind of thing and, and taking out the, the squad for a bit. Uh, started last week at Tynecastle, started again yesterday. I don't think he had a bad game, but I don't think he had a, a, a great game. And, and I genuinely feel that the, the, the sort of wider areas in, in an attacking sense are killing us at the moment, you know, as we've discussed earlier on. Kent's out of form, Scott Wright, probably, you know, I mean, I like Wright, but he's, he's you get a good game out of him, a bad game out of him. You know, Matondo's not really got going since he's arrived. It's an area that I think we we really struggle in. And it would be good to see this guy get up and running. You know, I, I think we all, we all felt we'd signed a good player when he arrived. We've just not seen it yet. There was we hints yesterday there's, that things are improving, a good effort off the post. But again, like Ryan Kent, we're needing a wee bit more out of him, I think. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to talk at length and try and convince someone that he's been he's hit the ground running. Uh, but I think we can rationalise and sort of break down reasons why he hasn't per se. We've just had a and not just us, but an entire Rangers fan uh, have had a discourse on why we should drop Ken or, or not. So I think it shows that left wing as a whole, uh, we're having people struggling regardless of who we, who we put there, and that's down to a multiplicity of reasons. I, I think Borna Barca just played well this season, but I just think his style. It sort of limits the ability and the efficacy of the left winger, albeit you might say it's a valuable trade-off because he has been playing well, he's been putting in some good balls. Uh, but I think Matondo looked quite lively for the 10 minutes against Liverpool, so you were hoping perhaps he could bring that uh, and prolong it to a 90 minutes against St. Mirren, but he wasn't able to do so, to be fair. But I equally don't think he was terrible. Uh, I, I think the best he's played so far was the 20, 25 minutes he got against Kilmarnock. He managed to assist then and he sort of petered away. Since then, uh, obviously, there were some rumours about discipline. I don't think it's been disclosed publicly or whatever, but there was a reason why he was dropped. But yeah, I think there was a lot of pressure on him when he arrived just because the fact we thought we had signed a right winger and we haven't done so uh, in ages. Uh, he's not really a right winger, just naturally he's right footed, so he's better placed on the left and he could even play a bit as a striker. But he's still young. We didn't spend a fortune on him. So I do think there was this yearn for us to finally have this right winger who would be the contemporary to Kent on that wing and we'd be perfect, and we'd have this dangerous front three, uh, and he isn't that, at least not yet. Uh, but I but I do understand why people are a bit, a bit, maybe not concerned, but a bit bored with watching him, because he is quick, and he does have a nice physical profile and the tools, but he's just not putting it together. He, he kind of 
fails falls uh, short similarly to Scala in a way in which he isn't able to sort of connect his movements that well because his touch isn't great. So he isn't able to sort of beat a player. Uh, or if he does, his pass will be misplaced or, or he runs too quick and then he takes a poor touch or something along those lines. But I do think as time goes and, and we play better, and I think as we advance for uh, similar to into the side, we might see Matondo or whoever's playing that left wing benefit greatly. Uh, and the best thing I would hope for is we see both Kent and Matondo dueling out for that side. Um, because at least on the basis of last performance, right wing seems quite decent with Sakala. But as we know with him, he's, he's fairly inconsistent. But I think the best thing is for us to give him some faith, allow him to play, but don't give him, but obviously trade him off with Kent. And hopefully if one of them starts firing, the other one will realize I have to do that as well. Because um, I'm at a club that demands that there's at least the one who starts puts in a performance. So hopefully we'll see some sort of mutual recognition. But but right now, both are quite misfiring. David, uh, Patrick mentioned Borna there. Uh, and uh, and I think life back is something we need to look at. I didn't see Radvan yesterday just as he was coming on. That's when I had to leave uh, because of that train situation. So a wee bit frustrated. I never got, got to see him. I'm, read the match report today and just having a wee look on social media, it would appear that he'd done okay. You know, there's been a lot of frustration that we've not seen this boy, you know, spent a lot of money, a lot of money on him, five million. And I think we all felt that was an area that needed address, you know, because Borna had sort of, you know, shrunk from from the player that he was, you know, there was that night at Celtic Park and a couple of other nights, the first game this season, you know, he was he was culpable for a, for a goal against Livingston. But I would have to say, the guy that sits in front of me, Stuart, made a really, really good point. You know, he's saying, you know, you know, Redvan's quite young. You know, I think he's one for the future. And you know what? See if we sign a, a player at five million, and it actually brings the best out of the guy that's holding that position. And all of a sudden, you can't get your new signing in. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Depends your point of view, Colin. Bonner's lawyer, I think it's fair, fair to say that Bonner Barisic has lost a yard of pace. Uh, and that has, um, has diminished his, his output. Uh, I think another thing you've got to, you've got to preface, anything you speak about Bonner Barisic, and yeah, to an extent, James Tavernier, neither are, are natural fullbacks. I mean, they're no defenders. Bonner Barisic are converted winger. So, um, despite his, his physical prowess, you know, he's, he's, no, he's not naturally inclined to throw his body in where it hurts. And I think that, um, you know, allied to maybe his, his positional awareness when he's uh, facing, you know, maybe a, a cross coming in for the opposite side of the pitch, that he's his defensive awareness is, is clearly exposed, but with the signing of Redvan Yuma, I think it's fair to say that his levels have went up. Certainly, his crossing um, has been something like back to what we were used to in previous seasons. Um, I think that his, his, defense, his overall defensive play in terms of the jockeying uh, defenders uh, has, has improved from certainly, I mean, there, was, there was periods of last season, especially the game at Parkhead, where you know, listen, to say that he was he was ripping people's nothing would be an understatement. He looks to have kind of um, mended his ways slightly there. But, you know, is he ever going to be a, a class back from a defensive perspective? 
that's what I'm going to be. I mean, I, I, I also don't think that we're going to see the, the, the left back that we've seen in previous seasons. Certainly, 55, there was, there was a, a period in that season where the defence of what was really, really good. And even at this, the season before that, he's, in moments where his defence of what was, was good. Um, yes, you know, he's, he's got foibles, like sometimes he lets crosses come into the box unnecessarily. And, you know, Alan McGregor and other, and some of his teammates have, have, have done their nut arm. You, you can physically, you can visibly see it on the pitch where they're actually yeah. debating them. Then you, yeah. you can stop that cross coming into the box. So, is he going to improve that uh, to a significant level where, you know, He's going to be talked about as, as, as a potential uh, signing for another club. I mean, obviously, a couple of years ago, he was linked to Roma and moved to Serie A. And all, a lot of us thought that he was, he was a shoo to, to move on, but he's, he's still here, even last season. Um, I cast my mind back to the, the, the 1 0 game against Celtic. You know, he went off the pitch and it looked for all intents and purposes that he was going to, to the support. So, yeah. But he's still here and he's playing well. Um, Brad Van Yilmaz came on yesterday and uh, I would say um, highlighted some of the things that a lot of fans are still got a, a problem with, with Bonabas uh, insofar as uh, Red Van put through two lovely balls yesterday and Morelos was running the channels and he looked to pass the ball forward. Now, again, this may well um, come down to the tactics deployed by the manager, but Bonner always seems to reluctant to, to, to go beyond, to overlap, and always looks to, to, to keep the ball and pass the ball backwards. Now, some, some players will obviously still want to uh, keep possession, but obviously look to, to move the ball forward. And Red Van, to his credit yesterday, put, looked, lifted his head and made two telling balls forward. And that, you know, that, that came out as quite glaring for a lot of supporters because they'll see that. You know, geez, a, a pass went forward for once. And that, um, it remains to be seen whether Barisic can take uh, that facet of his game and, and, and incorporate it more into his, his play. But he certainly came back to form the, you know, some of the, the, the captain performances they put in last season. I, I don't think that's, uh, that's without question. So, I, you know, let's hope that the bomber can continue to improve. Uh, Patrick, in terms of like the, the overall day's work, you know, look, looking at the league table, uh, you know, Celtic were really close to dropping points yesterday. You know, the the game before the, the international break, it looked like we were going in five points behind. Celtic suffered that defeat at St Mirren, all of a sudden it's two. In the first two games back, we we nearly draw level with them, you know, they're seconds away from, from dropping points and, and we can catch them in points. We've chipped away uh, at the goal difference. It's so that even although we're not fluent in, in terms of performance, there's still issues and, you know, we're not convinced by what we're seeing. We're in a really healthy condition, actually. You know, you consider where we were sort of three or four weeks ago, Celtic were battering teams. We were struggling to, 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 to get victories. This feeling that you know, we're five points behind, one more draw, one more defeat, all of a sudden it's it, it, it could be not over, but it becomes a, a real mountain to climb. All of a sudden we're two points behind and, and slowly but surely catch them. And and a feeling that also that this team could go, go up two or three gears. Yeah, I think fundamentally we're just one game off of a good run or establishing a sort of 
five or six game game positive run um, after the, after the Celtic game. And I think that's really important given the fact that we have this incredibly condensed schedule pre World Cup, and that's almost that. Not obviously the last few seasons we've had the winter break or we haven't had the winter break or it's been moved and all that, but that's been the sort of middle juncture in the season. But we almost have this impromptu break in which acts as a maybe a forty percent line. So that will offer. So we get there, we're X. And obviously with um, maybe behest not to mention that Cal McGregor's injury for Celtic and he's maybe not their best player. I, I probably think he is, but he's definitely the most important player and that'll make a massive difference in how they play. I think post uh, last two games, you've seen Celtic only win by, by one goal and lose to St. Mirren. So I think the next six to seven games obviously are incredibly important um, given the fact that we're trending upwards. Uh, they might have a, a stumble or two more in, in, in their engine just because of the fact that they don't have their, their leader and their sort of talisman in, in McGregor. But yeah, I think it's certainly a lot better than it was a month ago. I think a month ago was quite toxic, perhaps, because that coincided with both of us being battered in, in Europe. And that was almost our sort of foil in the last few years. Uh, Pre-55 and post-55 was when we weren't playing that well. We were still doing well in Europe and there was this upwards mobility. We are like, oh, we'll continue to do so. It's a moneymaker. Our players are getting in a nice shop window. And, and those are the best nights in football, or uh, the European nights. But we've had an absence of them, albeit I'd always, I know this is a discourse, I'd always rather be in the Champions League getting hammered than be in the Europa League and winning uh, group mm-hmm. games just, just because of the money. I, that, that, that's my opinion of it. Um, but yeah, I think it is a good position. Obviously, we are hamstrung by the injuries. We have a ton of them. And it seems like post-World Cup, um, we'll have quite a few people coming back. I know Roof's back in training. Alex Lowry is also back in training. Hadji was targeting post-World Cup. Holanda, there's limited communications on that, but you would think hopefully around then. Suter maybe as well. He was benchmarked as post-World Cup. So I do think there's the fact that if we can get a really nice run going together, uh, we'll have like a real nice breath of optimism going into World Cup. We can watch that and enjoy that with the the Rangers part of our minds being sort of satisfied that we can come back and look to get, give it a big, big go. And I do think more so than most seasons, the January transfer window will provide a really important juncture and kind of who wins that transfer window will go a long way to seeing who wins the league, but we're still far away of, far away from that. But it is nice uh, to talk about the idea of us being in a title race and winning the league, whereas a month ago, if you'd thought that someone might be like, no, we'll lose the league by 15 to 20 to Celtic. So it is nice to be able to have that discussion without being told it's borderline lunacy. Before I move on to the next next thing on the agenda, guys, I need to mention our partners at Zenith Coins, who produce the official Rangers Club coin. Uh, each gold-plated coin has a unique serial number engraved on the outer rim and comes complete with a Rangers presentation box and certificate of authenticity. Uh, famous Rangers supporters such as Alan McCoy, Derek Johnson, Marvin Andrews, Tom Stoltman, Gordon Ramsay, uh, all own uh, one, of, one of these collections. Zenith has also produced a 150th anniversary collection, which is limited to 1,872 sets worldwide. Wide. Uh, they are being released in small batches. Uh, they celebrate five iconic milestones in Rangers history, which are the founding fathers, Ibrook Stadium, the 1972 Cup winners, Cup win in Barcelona, nine in a row, and 55 league titles. Uh, you can get more info on that at www.zenithcoins.com. Uh, right, David, on to uh, a wee item that came in through the week there. Uh, the club announced that uh, David Graham, the, the, the head of communications, had, had Resigned, had left the club, uh, citing family reasons, and I was just, I was just keen to sort of get your views on, on, on you know, how, how you think he's he's impacted on the club in the two years. I would have to say, 
when he was appointed, given his background, you know, the, the DUP council thing, all that sort of stuff, I kind of looked at it and thought, you know what, there's people in, in, in this country, it doesn't matter how good this guy is at his job, they're not going to let him be good at his job, you know, just that background is, is going to give them enough to, to for this to be a negative sort of appointment. And I would say, I don't want to say it was completely negative, but I, I don't think he's improved the sort of communications and the PR side of the club uh, significantly, if at all. I, I think this has been a, an Achilles heel for the club for uh, I, th- I think you're going back to the 90s, to be honest with you. This is, just seems to be an issue that's continually been a problem for Rangers. Uh, so how do you view his, his period at the club? Oh, that's a, that's a, a tough one to, to put my finger on. Uh, it's a like calling. Uh, David Graham, I think he's, he's... First of all, I think he's going to hide nothing. Uh, yeah. I think that the... I think the, the, the media landscape in this country, I think his links to the, the DUP, I think he was, um, you know, there was an inference uh, in the media that, you know, he was, he was somehow, you know, he wasn't quite you know, worthy of, of the position or all that. You know, there was connotations that they were, they were, they were needless. Um, He's obviously in a background with, with David Edgar and Hart in hand. Um, and uh, prior to, to taking up the role with the club, and then obviously we've, we've seen the, the, the move to fan media, uh, which has been, I think it's, it, it's been brought, I think it's been, it's, it's been received um, differently from certain aspects of the range of support. Um, but I swear, David, he knows how to, to, to put a tweet out on uh, the stroker, never. Uh, that'll be missed. Um, I was quite good at, at doing that. Uh, I think that the... <laughs> I, I genuinely think that the, the, the kind of... The approach and the strategy of the, the board, the club management, you know, um, I don't think that he was necessarily the director per se. I don't think he. I don't think he was directing strategy. I think it was. It was very much a case of you know you, this is how we would like things to to run, and he was. He was you know he was just the operational director in a communication sense, if that makes sense. So um, I think it's it's very hit and miss uh, whether his tenure has been. Can legitimately be viewed as a, uh, as a success. Uh, I don't think he's, you know, whether, it, whether it's entirely down to David Graham himself or whether it's a co- you know it's a combination of other actors in the process. I, I think that Rangers PR situation hasn't been significantly improved to the levels that we would, with the, as, as lay persons uh, looking uh, on from afar would, would like to. Have, seen that the whole PR machine move on in a positive sense uh, for the average Rangers supporter. Um, I think that he's, you know, latterly there in the last couple of weeks when all the, the, the kind of noise regarding Giovanni Van Bronckhurst and, you know, whether he, he was under pressure, his job was, was coming under increasing pressure, especially the results in Europe. You know, to, to, to come out um, with a... Uh, 
an appeal to the supporters about how remiss we've been in terms of communication to do that and hide, hide the interview by, you know, on YouTube. Well, sorry, you know, before it hit the YouTube channel behind a paywall. You know, that, that's, mm-hmm. It doesn't really reflect very well. Um, but is that down purely down to David Graham? I've got my doubts. So, um, I look, I don't think the, the guy's he's certainly not been an unmitigated disaster, put it that way. I think he's, he's maybe just found the how should we put it, the, 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 the kind of Scottish or maybe the Glasgow media-based uh, media landscape a bit, maybe a bit more difficult to navigate than maybe he's anticipated coming into the job. I, I, I seem to recall that that Holocom um, are still um, the PR people for, for Celtic when he took the job and they've obviously they've obviously moved on um, and there's there's not been enough of a swing uh, where you know a kind of balance in terms of the PR battle. I don't think that's been achieved for David's tenure and I think that remains to be seen whether the board are, are up for redressing the balance and whether they can get someone in who is um, not necessarily competent enough to, to redress that balance but has the gravitas um, to do so. And I think that, that you know, stopping short of employing um, probably a London PR firm that's going to cost money, I don't think that, I think there's other priorities within the, the business structure uh, and I think as long as that's the case then I think we'll us as fans will be continuing to have this conversation about you know the PR lacking, which you really alluded to, has, has possibly been you know um, an Achilles heel of the Rangers operation. You think back years and years ago that, that John Gregg was put in charge of the Rangers yeah. PR, and that doesn't seem to have, have moved on significantly. And <laughs> uh, the in the time since, and whether it whether it does or not, it obviously remains to be seen. Paul. Patrick, in, in, in terms of where the club goes from here, in terms of a, a replacement, I mean, I, I think some of the issues that David uh, highlights here are, are, are valid, you know. I mean, I don't think he's he, he's been a, an, unmi- an, an unmitigated disaster, as, as David put it, but I, I don't think you could call his, his, his term a success either. And, you know, there's the, the sort of in-house media now, you know, with, with, with the fan media-based thing and... <sighs> I mean, I think that creates an echo chamber. I don't think that's the best model. But I also understand why they've been down that route because we don't have a complaint media up here. I mean, Rangers and the media just do not get on. So it, it kind of feels like Rangers are stuck, you know, between a rock and a hard place on this issue. So is, is that maybe the way forward? You know, we actually bring in, you know, an organisation that, I don't know, a London PR firm saying that, that, that has no connections with the club and has no connections with the, you know, the, the mainstream media up here. And just to try and wipe the, the, the sort of slate clean, uh, slate clean and move forward in a more positive way because it, it just seems to be a repetitive thing, this thing with the PR. It just never seems to improve. And some of the things over the years, you know, you know some of the stuff with uh, his predecessor, what do you call him, James Trainer, uh, you know, at times it's been... <laughs> It looks quite amateur, I would say, some of the stuff that's, that, that's came out from the PR side. And we need to fix it because I, I, I think... And t- I, I saw a good example recently of, of what I would consider good PR. You know, he had that, that issue with, with, with Ange when he, when he needlessly had a go at that interpreter in the press conference, snapped at him, took his face off. You know, and it's a wee bit of the mask slipping moment because he had the press eating out his hands. We're all getting told what a wonderful guy he was. And there was a wee moment there when you thought, well, actually, he's maybe not that nice guy. He's maybe not as nice as what we thought. And the following day, there was a soft piece in the paper about 
you know, how he was so chuffed to be the Celtic manager and how he was really sad that his dad wasn't, you know, hadn't seen him become the Celtic manager. A real personal sort of, you know, soft angled sort of piece. That There was obviously a place there to sort of take away the, the harshness of what he'd done to that interpreter, you know, just jangle with the silvery thing in front of the press and say, don't, don't look at Ange biting the face off a reporter. Look at this, he's a nice guy. And I just sort of looked at that. The Rangers are incapable of that, or they seem to be incapable of it. You know, I mean, they don't seem to be on the front foot when it comes to PR. So where do we go from here? Because I do, I think this has been a problem for 20, 25, 30 years. We, we need to find a solution to this, I think. Yeah, I think there needs to be a discussion about how our just position uh, and our lim- limit lack thereof, or free agency or lack thereof, sort of engenders our ability to, or inability to run an effective PR firm uh, or to run PR at the club per se effectively um, there's a predatory media who enjoy and make substantial money reporting about us whether it be truthfully uh, bending the truth or whatever uh, which seems to be uh, more so recently or contemporary issue obviously we've had uh, issues with the BBC and, and it seems the majority of papers so uh, there have been a lot of burnt bridges and merited burnt bridges on our behalf and that has led to us have not uh, to the sort of situation in which we use um, fan media a lot as a, uh, our ability to disseminate material which is fine in a way because it sort of allows people to have familiar faces uh, sharing them or information sharing through familiar faces but also does limit their own ability to act because they are fundamentally fans uh, and I think uh, they will want to maintain a positive or mutualist relationship with the club. So they won't bend over backwards to them because they still are brave and time have their own ability to, to say what they want. But they will, unlike some sort of large conglomerate like Sky Sports or whatever, who will sort of necessitate a relationship with the club, they will have to play on the club's terms as opposed to the opposite way. Uh, as for a replacement, this is something I have very limited sort of expertise on, but I would like to see someone or, or the club take a step into the future and embrace the modernity. I don't want us to be a club who posts 10, 15 videos a day on TikTok and Instagram, but I do think there is a large mark out there for an international base for a big club, an international club fundamentally. And the fact that we perhaps only have one Twitter account, it's an English one, is, is a market that we're not capturing. Um, that the, I like this, my own one uh, that I always don't like is the sort of lack of transparencies around injuries and, and what's happened with the team. And I think that's just, just one thing in a in a maze of sort of mistakes and perhaps in the last few years, but that's something that really grinds my gears when we don't see uh, much being discussed about, about injuries per se. But I think any move forward could be positive, in a, but I do think embracing something different just because uh, the, the sort of mode of bringing one individual in and asking them to run uh, by a proxy to the, the board of directors hasn't worked. But then again, we have to consider how difficult it would be to work in the landscape of the sort of predatory media we have here. Uh, quickly, David, because I've, I've noticed we've, we've kind of run over here. Obviously, Liverpool on, on Wednesday night, uh, big night in the Champions League. You know, that, that, that game last week, uh, last Tuesday, I, I don't think we ever looked like we had the belief that we were going to do anything, you know, really. And, and, and I say that, looking at that Liverpool team beat again today, looked vulnerable again at the, in the sort of wider areas, at the full-back areas. I would just like to see that a Rangers team have a bit of belief in what they can do here. I, I genuinely think, you know, this Liverpool team, I know there's a golfing class, I know they're better players, but I think if we go out there with a bit of belief and, and, and you know, a bit of determination and the, the sort of... And, 
maybe put in the sort of level of performances that seen us get to a European final just a few months ago, then we have a chance. Because the way I look at it, you know, we need to, if we've got any hope of reaching the Europa, because obviously the, 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 the next stages of the Champions League are already gone, any chances of finishing the third, I think we need something on Wednesday. We don't get anything on Wednesday, then that's it. I think, I think we're toast. Well, first of all, I, I hate to start a negative note. I think the I think Europe's going this season. Um, I don't think there's any any uh, way we're going to finish third in the group. So sorry to say that. However, um, I gladly would prove it wrong. Uh, Wednesday night, I think. <coughs> excuse me. First and foremost, last Tuesday night we we showed Liverpool Liverpool far too much respect. I think that's a given, and I think if we repeat that on Wednesday night we deserve all we get I think we need to we need to be in their faces as you rightly point out Colin what's happened to the Rangers side that that played so well against Dortmund and played so well against Leipzig um, you know just generally had belief don't forget against Braga you know we were and Leipzig we were obviously we were doing the first leg and came back and won and if we, we can't channel that um, energy, that motivation, that belief into a 90 minutes against Liverpool, um, then, you know, it's all very well qualifying for the Champions League from a financial perspective, but, you know, from a playing perspective, as well, no, no qualifying for it. And that's really, we need And our Rangers supporters saying that it's a sad day. Um, look, I agree with you. Entirely, uh, they can be caught at, at the back. Obviously, Trent Alexander Arnold picked up a, an injury the day against Arsenal. Whether that season ruled out and Joe Gomez comes in or somebody else comes in, I don't know. Um, the, the Greek left back, assuming he plays, he can be caught. There's no, no two ways about it. He's, he's sus- well suspect at the back. And I'd like to think that you know we could give uh, Joe Mata and, and Virgil Van Dijk something to think about and Wednesday night. It's all down to the players. I, I, I think the, the, the manager, um, he seems to be, you know, he's basically a plane. Yeah, he, he might, you know, drop to, to three at the back and stick Lundstrom in the back line. But generally speaking, the tag doesn't change all that much. And I think that, that you know, when, when the two, center, two Liverpool centre-halves are given such a an easy ride as they were on Tuesday night. I think that sets the, the scene for the whole side. And it puts added pressure on the likes of let Ryan Kent to, to, you know, magic something out of thin air. And if if the ball doesn't get knocked into, into the centre forward, whether the Morelos or Joe, like, does he stick and can he ball play from that? Then it's going to be a, a long, hard night. It doesn't help when, when guys like Malik Tillman or, and Stephen Davis are passengers. So, you know, the, the the team selection is going to be key for the start. Yeah. But I'd like to think that the, the, the players um, are going to have a bit of fire in their bellies in, in Wednesday night. The, the crowd, I hope, bring their again. Um, the Napoli game, you know, we've been, been to recent European games where the, the atmosphere was electric inside angles. The Napoli game was a reasonable atmosphere, but it's nothing like what it could be. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully on Wednesday night, you know, the fans turn up good voice and, and, and it's going to be difficult because obviously supporters are going along to the game knowing that, you know, essentially because of, you know, two 
you know, reverses, especially the one at, at Amsterdam, you know, it's already consigned this team also runs in the group and it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a pill to swallow from a supporter's perspective, but hopefully, you know, we can maybe just put that to one side and, and, and take the game in its own merits. It's a battle of Britain, you know, if you can term it as such, it's a home game at Ibrox and if the crowd can go through, hopefully lift the fans and the fans can then lift, the, yeah, sorry, the players can then lift the fans then, you know, hopefully we, we, we might get a dodge be a, a positive result. Hopefully a win, but you know, I'll take a draw. As long as we as long as we don't we don't embarrass ourselves by, you know, um basically falling in the same charge we did last Tuesday night. I know the manager said that, that, that these Champions League games are improving us, but it's easy to say that. We know it's, it's better to actually put a performance in the part and you know, no better time the Wednesday night against Liverpool to go and show what we can do, Colin. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll have some content out on Tuesday night uh, with regards to the Liverpool game. We'll obviously have the show, uh, the previous show next week, previewing the Motherwell game, and we'll be back next Sunday. And so that's it. That's all we've got time for tonight. We're slightly overrun. So a big thanks to David and to, 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 to Patrick there for their contributions. Great stuff. The show was live tonight. We're live on a Sunday night, but it will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, all your usual places, Spotify, all that. Uh, as I said to you, we'll have a, a few shows out this week, so look out for those. In the meantime, get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at W www.jersnet.co.uk and until, uh, until next time sorry bye for now